Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Welcome to another special edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside Graham Barfield. Day two at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And, I mean, look, yesterday was sort of a disappointment. Today, not not even a little bit of disappointment. My pants are still on fire. <laughs> These receivers just absolutely blew the roof off this place. I mean, it was amazing, and we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, it was just, there was a lot of really intriguing things that happened uh, here at Lucas Oil Stadium today for the combine. So we'll get to that. The wide receivers were obviously the headliners of the day, but the, the tight ends, a few of them came out and performed very well. And uh, the quarterbacks also worked out today. Some kind of interesting things I think to talk about with the quarterback group. Uh, so we'll talk about that and uh, kind of give us give you our takeaways from our couple of days here. Of course, we'll be back uh, on our regular schedule. We'll have a, a normal podcast for you back in Los Angeles on Wednesday. So we'll kind of you know, break down the combine a little bit further and then get back to just some other general NFL news as well. But in the meantime, uh, let's do some news here. Well, because it's a day in that ends in Y, and we have not yet gotten to the draft, there's more Kyler Murray news. Uh, the the news around Kyler Murray right now, Graham, is uh, it is, as they say, almost universally expected that he will be the number one overall pick in the draft that the Arizona Cardinals will select him. Now, I, I did walk past Cliff Kingsbury this morning, and had I been a little quicker on the draw, I might have just been like, hey, so uh, Kyler, or what? More importantly, is he as handsome as he looks? He's very handsome. Okay. He is. He's very handsome. That's he's very tall. Um, so, yeah, he's. <laughs> I saw him kind of stalking the hallways here. Uh, but if, if this is true, if Kyler Murray is going to the Cardinals, uh, what does that mean for Josh Rosen? I guess he's going to go... Either to Miami, the Giants, Redskins, Jags maybe even. I, I still think the Jags probably go with Foles. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the consensus there too. But um, I guess it would kind of make too much sense for the Dolphins to trade 13 overall for Rosen, right? I mean, they were in the <laughs> running for Rosen last year. They have their chance now. The Giants are in the same boat too. Um, I, I don't know. This is such an unfortunate situation for Rosen because you and I mm -hmm. were kind of in the same boat. Like we both thought Rosen was, at least in terms of coming out last year, we thought he had the highest floor. Yes. 
and he was just thrown in the stone worst situation last year with a offensive coordinator who basically I, I'm I'm not even sure maybe just still uses a chalkboard to draw plays, <laughs> um, and then they obviously switched coaches um, in the middle of the season. Chris uh, Christian Kirk got hurt. Larry Fitzgerald's aging offensive line was a disaster. Uh, he had the high pre highest pressure rate in the NFL. Um, just a really unfortunate situation for Rosen. Honestly, feel bad for him. Um, I don't know, man. I really, really hope he somehow finds a redemption story here, mm -hmm. but it really does seem like Cliff and Kingsbury are, are, are you, know, you know, like Kingsbury and Kyler are kind of bound to meet it, here. It seems like, yeah, they, they seem to be kind of a, a match made in, in you know, football it, heaven. It, it kind of makes sense, though. If they're not going to trade the pick, and their defense last year, I, I, I mean, their run defense wasn't great, but their pass defense was stingy was all good. year yeah. long. Mm -hmm. Their pass rush, they blitz at the league's highest rate. Maybe they still don't feel like they need a premier pass rusher in Bosa, so maybe that makes it a really easy call for them with Murray. Yeah, could very well be. Now, I think this is going to be one of, you know, or the beginning of a quarterback carousel, right? Because if Josh Rosen is going somewhere, he's going to fill one of those voids that you mentioned, maybe in Jacksonville or Washington or, or New York or, or what have you. Uh, so if he goes, suddenly, you know, what happens with Nick Foles? What happens with... Uh, you know, where's Teddy Bridgewater going to go? I mean, yeah. he's a guy who's out there who's looking for a job who could land in one of these spots. Um, you know, who knows what happens with Derek Carr? It seems as though the talk of him getting traded has calmed down now that Mike Mayock has gotten to Oakland. But, you know, I mean, you never really know. John Gruden is still there. He could still be a wild card and do something. Um, you know, Blake Bortles, for what it's worth, is going to be available for somebody. If, you know, if, if there's some coach out there that thinks they can, you know, do this reclamation project and rebuild Blake Bortles into a, a quarterback? We'll see. Who the knows? problem is Blake Bortles can't throw. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a little bit of a problem. No, I'm joking. I mean, you're right, though. This is a really interesting from just uh, obviously now with the optics between now we know what Murray's doing, we know what Haskins is. Mm -hmm. uh, with this free agent crop, you're right. I mean, it is kind of like once these dominoes start falling in free agency, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen quick. Yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting. And obviously, you know, the, I, the, the headliners look like Josh, Josh Rosen and Nick Foles right now. I wonder in whenever it opens, whatever, is it the 14th this year, 13th? Something, something around like there, that. yeah. I wonder if we'll see the Rosen trade like almost immediately. That's um, going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, or if it's a slow burn up until draft. Which, you know, it, it's funny because yeah, obviously Kyler Murray is, you know, he's the, one of the top two prospects. Um, you know, if the... I think if we see a Josh Rosen trade right away, mm -hmm. then we know that it's done, yeah. and then we can move on to the rest of the draft and figure that out. If they let this thing linger, then I think questions will be asked about where the Cardinals are going, if they're going to trade, right. what have you. But, uh, you know, Josh Rosen, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like him. Uh, I think he sort of deserved a better fate, and we'll see if maybe he ends up going somewhere else where he can kind of blossom and, and become the guy that a lot of us, myself included, thought he could be. So there you go. That is uh, pretty much everything you need to know. Well, that was the news. All right. Day two of the Combine. The uh, groups working out quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers. Not in that order. The tight ends actually started the day. But... Let's just get to the, the headliner of the day here at Lucas Oil Stadium, DK Metcalf, who had become the Internet's favorite wide receiver over the last week or so. We saw the photos of him looking, as, as Daniel Jeremiah said, his body looks like a Batman suit, right? Like it just, with the abs and the pecs and everything, uh, you know, we, we laughed yesterday about the 1.6% body fat 
uh, whether or not that is true. I'm not laughing now. Nope, nope, because, I mean, he – look, the, defen- the, the, the defensive side of the ball has not yet gone, but at this point, DK Metcalf is right now the combine hero at this point. I don't even know if combine hero is enough to really <laughs> sell just how fantastic his day was. Um, legitimately generational explosiveness. He is in the same vein in, term of, in terms of height-adjusted speed as Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones. That's not just, like, me just saying this. This is objective. Like, he is right there in terms of explosiveness. 40-inch uh, vertical. Um, 40 and a half. Don't, don't short him that half uh, there. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, DK. Um, um, I mean, let's start yesterday with the 27 bench press reps, mm. uh, 40 and a half inch vertical, and then the 4.4 or 4.33 40 times. We were just sitting down there, and we watched it, and I, I honestly turned to you, and I was like, how many, how many strides do you think <laughs> he takes? It seriously seemed like he took, like, eight strides to go 40 yards. And it was, it was just amazing being down there because, you know, everybody's there, and everybody has their cell phones, and so you see a guy run. And so for those of you who've never been to the combine, which, you know, obviously is a lot of people, um, the guys just run, and there's no indication on the big screen no. of what their time is. There's no unofficial times put up there. So now everybody's in the stands, obviously, with their phones, and they're checking Twitter or what have you. So Metcalf runs, and I think you were the first person I heard say, so like, 433. And then you could just kind of hear the whispers yeah. around us, like, oh, my goodness, 433. What, what kind of blew me away just from just being here from a subjective standpoint, his first, like, 10 steps, like, he's immediately at that top speed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how anyone's going to cover him. So now that this has become the thing, right? So obviously this blew up, especially mm-hmm. on social media, and now you've got you know teams that are really looking, giving him a second look seriously now. And you know there's talk that maybe he even vaults into the top ten potentially because of this. So it it does sort of beg the question, right? Because mm-hmm. this is a guy who obviously the the workout numbers are fantastic. The guy looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Um, the numbers at Ole Miss, the production, not great. Um, was injured a couple times, missed missed a good chunk of his first year there in Oxford, uh, missed a decent chunk of his final year there because of a neck injury. So that sort of kept him off the field. So that kind of creates some injury issues, I think, for a lot of teams to look at. Um, and then just you know, look, the Ole Miss offense wasn't necessarily blowing people away. No. You, they have uh, A.J. Brown uh, that was there. So I do think people are going to go back and really dig into his tape now to see whether or not he's a workout warrior, if he really is a legitimate prospect. I have a note on this, and, okay. and you, you, you mentioned his, his injuries, right? Last year he was battling a neck injury, only played 214 snaps per pro football focus. But he and A.J. Brown were just as productive on a yards per root run basis last year. Mm. Literally basically the same exact 2.8 yards gained per root run last year. So, yes, D.K. Metcalf's bulk stats are never – they're not going to blow you away. Mm-hmm. They never will because he was limited. Um, but at least on a per-route basis, like, he was just as explosive. I mean, he's he's impressive, man. I mean, he led the – I mean, he's second in the class in yards after the catch per reception. Well, and, I, and again – And we just saw him run a 4-3-3. Like, it is all <laughs> small samples, sure. He's not. He did not have the one blow-up year, but, man, like – Right, and and all the measurables. I mean, you know, I, I right after he ran, I think uh, Gil Brandt tweeted a comparison to Calvin Johnson. You know, I, I've seen comparisons immediately to Julio Jones in terms of, you know, size, speed, measurables, all that sort of thing. You know, the, the only difference right now, as you mentioned, just – the production wasn't mm-hmm. there from a, a standpoint in college. And I know that, that a lot of people really put a lot of value on that and what happens on the field. So I think, I think that makes Metcalf a really interesting case study going forward now because obviously the hype is there. Uh, he has 
vaulted himself, I think, to the front of this wide receiver class. And so now I think he's going to undergo, and his I think his game tape especially, is going to undergo a lot of scrutiny in the next few weeks. For sure. And I think anyone just kind of quoting the market share numbers with Metcalf kind of do need to keep that in mind. Like, he <laughs> only played, like, 200 snaps last year. A.J. Brown played over 450. Mm-hmm. So that is important to keep in mind. That is important to keep in mind. Um other notable wide receivers, because this wide receiver group really did blow the doors off at Lucas Oil Stadium today. Uh, I believe uh, our own Cynthia Freeland tweeted out that this was the fastest group since 2003. The average 40 time was just under 4.5. It was a 4.496, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a group, they ran under a 4.5, which is incredible. Yeah, Ben Solak from the Draft Network had a great great note. He said seven receivers ran under a 4-4 at this combine. That's as many as the last three combines combined. That's amazing. This th- this this class has some juice, man. So some serious juice. So looking at some of those guys, right? Um the so Andy Isabella, the guy from UMass who was expected to come in. I mean, the he kind of burst on the scene with video of him beating Denzel Ward, I think in a high school race. And uh, there was a little bit of discrepancy because originally he ran a four, what was what was measured as a four six one, and everybody kind of raised an eyebrow, like, "Wait, how's this guy running a four six one?" Turns out there was a timing error, uh, so then they revised it to a four two seven, and I believe that they finally settled on a four three one. I believe is what they settled on. When we were down there, he ran. I saw it on Twitter. I was like, four six two. There's no way he just ran a four six two. We just watched him. <laughs> right. Uh, then I saw a screenshot of the uh, the broadcast, and apparently it said that he ran an unofficial 0.5 second 40 times, so clearly there was a problem <laughs> there. Um, yeah. So just, just nutty production from Andy Isabella, too, combined now with this 4-3-1. Uh, last year he, I mean, led uh, all receivers in yards gained per route run. Per pro football focus had nearly 50% of UMass's receiving yards, um, and now we find out he's the fastest receiver in this class. Like, He's going to throw his hat in the maybe late first round, early second round um, in this group for sure. Um, I don't know what's in the water in Columbus, Ohio, but they are they're putting out speed burners right now. I mean, you know, we, we talked uh, uh, you know, yesterday. One of the, the faster running back times came from Ohio State. Yep. Um, and then today, a trio of wide receivers, you know, Paris Campbell with a 4-3-1, Terry McLaurin with like a 4-3-6, I believe, uh, Johnny Dixon a 4-4-1. Um, Whatever they're doing, man, in that weight room and their strength and conditioning there for Ohio State, it is working. It's right now. it's like Penn State too. I mean, we saw Curtis Samuel come out and you know, you know, he's got deep speed too. All these all these Ohio State guys doing. Like you mentioned, Mike Weber, he posted a pretty solid seventy fifth percentile mm-hmm. weight adjusted speed score yesterday too. Um, a couple other no- notable wide receivers. Uh, Hakeem Butler, who I know is a guy that you like as well. Oh, I mean, yes. It was a guy, you know, it's funny because he comes out, he runs a 4-4-8, and everybody's like, wow, okay, you know, size, speed in terms of, you know, the the, the size-adjusted score or whatever, um, that he looked great. And then, you know, DK Metcalf comes out, and then everybody forgets about Hakeem Butler for a little bit. Yeah, Hakeem Butler is 6-5 and just ran a 4-4-8. That's 98th percentile height-adjusted speed. And, Marcus, he has a 99th percentile wingspan per mock draftable, 84-inch wingspan. That's ridiculous. That's why he led the led, uh, led all FBS receivers in 20 plus yard catches last year. So, uh, so he he certainly has tested well. Uh, he's going to be a guy I think that gets a lot of mention. Uh, Nikhil Harry, who is a guy that I've been interested in kind of watching. The the talk was he just needed to come in and get below four six. Mm. He did that at four five three. I think he's still kind of raw in a lot of respects, but he's got good size. He can go up and, and get the football. And, and you know, I know that uh, Herm Edwards. 
has talked him up, especially as a guy who can go out and, and win the football. And look, you know, Herm can be sometimes a little bit over the top, but he is, a, he is a guy. He is a guy that has an NFL pedigree, obviously yeah. played in the league, coached in the league. So I think, you know, when he when he talks about guys who can go out and perform at the next level, you're at least willing to listen because he knows that sort of thing. Pretty much everywhere you look in this class, it's it's just sexy. Nikhil Harry is another one mm -hmm. um, back to back years with 70 receptions and a thousand yards at Arizona State. He was only 19 and 20 years old yeah. in those seasons like. I was just sitting around playing Madden at 15 <laughs> years old and, like, eating crappy food. Like, he's out there just balling the hell out. Um, yeah, this, this class is just so much fun, man. And, like, for Dynasty Leagues, I think if, if, I'm, if I'm sitting on multiple first-round picks this year, um, I'm going to try to – if I'm, if I'm picking in the early first round, let me rephrase. If I'm picking in the early first round, I am trying to move back in the – middle pack or the late half of the first round mm -hmm. and try to scoop up some of these you know picks between six overall and 18 overall because this receiver class is so deep and we're at a point right now Marcus where you know we just came out of the most pass heavy season in the NFL mm -hmm. all of these guys are going to find themselves in moderately to substantially great situations I'm I'm really really interested and intrigued by all of these guys. So that kind of kind of begs a question, though. Now, right? When you talk about dynasty rookie drafts, and I know people will be doing those, especially once we get into you know May and, and what have you. Um, you know, the last few years, it has been hands down. There's been a running back a year or two at the top of all these rookie drafts. Mm -hmm. You know, it was Saquon Barkley, it was Ezekiel Elliott. That there was, shouldn't be this year. I don't know that there will be this yeah, year. Yeah, there shouldn't be. I think Hakeem Butler will probably be my number one receiver. Um, hope he goes top twenty overall. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just. All of these dudes, like, we'll get to tight ends here in a second, but, I mean, these this whole pass-catching crop is just ridiculous, and that's why I want to have so many picks between that, like, 6 to 18, 16 to 20 overall uh, spot. Another thing you and I talked about as we were you know, finished watching the, the receivers run, have we reached a point where now we're seeing the best athletes in the past, historically, all the best athletes went and played running back, you mm -hmm. know, and you always had athletes at receiver, but it seems like now a lot of your top athletes, because the league has gone so pass heavy, are starting to move over to the wide receiver position now. And I wonder how that, you know, I, I don't know how it changes fantasy, but I think it may change, you know, the way I think guys approach the game when they start playing and, and I think how, uh, how scouting and drafting goes now. Long term, I, I don't think now that we know what the – the risks are, we know what the concussion rates are, we know how just, I mean, Todd Gurley, you know, after f how many years? Three, four years in the right. NFL. Now he's, he's got arthritis. arthritis. Right. Um, we're going to start seeing some guys shift away and take care of themselves more, and the best way to do that is move to receiver. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're or not become a pass-catching running back. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you're not taking the pounding, you're not, uh, you know, you're not trying to uh, block blitzing linebackers and that sort of thing and, and taking that, that wear and tear. Um, so the tight ends. Uh, they actually started the day. They were the first group out this morning, and there are three guys I think that a lot of people were looking at at the tight end spot, and I think those three guys went out and acquitted themselves well. We talk about the Ohio State guys and their wide receivers and how well they run. The Iowa tight ends, man, I mean, they came out and they showed out. Noah Fant, uh, an unofficial 4-5-40, a 39-and-a-half-inch ver vertical, 6.81 on the three-cone, yep. which is just ridiculous. Uh, and then T.J. Hawkinson, a 37-and-a-half-inch vert, 7.02 on the three-cone. The Iowa could, could put a couple of tight ends potentially in the first round this year. Yeah, man. Like, D.K. Metcalf is going to get all the hype, mm -hmm. but Noah Fant literally just basically kind of did the same thing. I mean, uh, Kent Platt has uh, his relative athletic scores, which you can find out on Twitter. They're kind of basically spark scores, but he kind of does a little bit different weighting. 
Um, Noah Fant had a top 10 RAS score among the 780 tight ends that have gone to the combine since 87. I mean, just absurd. Uh, George Kittle, former Iowa uh, Iowa Hawkeye and fantasy god, right? Ran a four five two at uh, four five two at two forty seven. Fant ran a four five zero at two forty nine. Wow. <laughs> I mean, so just sick. Right, and so Fant of the two was more probably the, the flex kind of pass catching yeah. wide receiver or a tight end rather. Hawkinson kind of more of an inline, but he can go out and catch the football as mm-hmm. well. Um, Irv Smith from Alabama, a 4-6-3 unofficially 40. Uh, another guy who I think people expect to, to maybe come in. I don't know if he's a first-round pick, but a guy who could come in and start to play almost right away. It makes me wonder, now Now that we have reached an age where tight end has become more specialized. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know we talked about this with some folks last night. Um, you know, you've got those guys who are sort of your, as they say, the move tight ends, the flex tight ends, what have you, and you have your inline blockers. I feel like that has led itself to us maybe having guys who can produce as rookies. I mean, before it was yep. always you always had to wait two or three years for a tight end to kind of get to a spot where he where he could produce. I think in the last few years we've seen guys who come in and are more ready to be productive right away. The reason for it is simple: they're not blocking. Mm-hmm. George, I mean, George Kittle is a rare exception where he's like legitimately already one of the best run blockers in the NFL. But Evan Ingram doesn't block. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Noah Fant will block very much early in his career. Right. Evan Ingram, early in his career, he broke out because Odell Beckham got hurt. But still, they play him in the slot. Travis Kelsey does not block. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing – I'm with you. I think we'll start seeing – maybe in a better tight end class in a few years, we'll start seeing these guys come out earlier because they're not being asked to play as many snaps and they're not learning the blocking scheme as early. If right. you're just going to play him in the slot 70% of the time, why do you need to spend time blocking? Like – you're just basically a big receiver at that right. point who is can get vertical in a hurry, and Noah Fan is that player. And that's the thing. I mean, these guys now, this, this new breed of tight end, they are matchup nightmares, right? Yeah. Because they're they're too big to be covered by a lot of corners, especially slot corners. Uh, they're too fast and too agile to maybe be covered by a safety or a linebacker. So you're sort of stuck with, like, how do you defend these guys? Uh, and I think that's that's starting to open up a lot of offenses in that respect. Well, we, we've st- also started to see NFL coaches finally putting their speed guys more in the slot. Like mm-hmm. the Colts are great at this. T.Y. Hilton plays like 40% of his snaps from the slot. You want right. you want to expand the field not only vertically on the outside, but you can now do it in the slot vertically with tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm really interested to see where Noah Fant goes. I have my fingers crossed <laughs> at 32 overall. Uh, yeah, I think because I think he's a guy. I mean, we talk about that. I mean, he'll be a guy that I think in a lot of dynasty rookie drafts he'll be he'll be very uh, coveted. I think he'll come out and, and be a guy who can produce quite a bit. You know, another guy that I think uh, went pretty well was Caleb Wilson uh, mm-hmm. from UCLA, and you know that was a, a Bruin offense that didn't it didn't really excite anybody this year. But Caleb Wilson came out came out and ran well. I think in the combine today, so he's another one that I think may may move up a little bit. But I I don't know that beyond. Fant, Hawkinson, Smith, I think those are your, your three guys that you're targeting probably the most this year. I agree. Now that I'm thinking about for dynasty drafts, like how many running backs are going to go in the first 10, 12 picks? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Maybe Josh Jacobs. I think Damian Harris Damian could Harris maybe sneak may go. in there. Um, uh, da- I'm still on David Montgomery. Um, but, yeah, man, like. I think we're going to get to a situation for 
running backs where it really is going to be dependent on yeah. what offenses they land in and, and what their potential role is going to be. I mean, I think, you know, obviously last year with Saquon, it didn't really matter where he was going to go. We knew Saquon was going to be great and that he was going to get the ball and then he would be, you know, the number one pick in a lot of dynasty rookie drafts. Um, I mean, we could say the same about Ezekiel Elliott a couple of years ago. Even in 2017, we had uh, that class was freaking loaded with Fournette, McCaffrey, right. with all these guys. We, okay, I don't care where they go. If they're going to go in the top 35, 40 picks, like they're going to play week, you know, week one. Right. They're going to get a ton of touches with this crop. It, this, I mean, this is very going to be very much dependent on that. And it was funny going through mock draftable a little bit earlier today, looking, for instance, at like the Benny Snells and the Montgomerys and that sort of thing, and looking at kind of the comparisons, uh, the guys that they, they tested like. It's not. I mean, you know, I, the, you know Rashad Penny – uh, you know, was kind of one of the more recognizable, more productive names on that list. And, you know, he's had one year and we're still trying to figure out exactly who he is. Um, so that sort of speaks to where some of the more heralded guys in this class were. And so, look, I, and I guess I should probably temper this because I know we spent a lot of time yesterday kind of uh, shaking our heads at, at what happened. Um, look, there are guys that are going to come out of this draft and they will find homes and they will be productive. I just don't think you're going to see anybody that, from a fantasy perspective, you like, I got to have this yes. guy. I got to draft him. I got to trade for him because I just – I don't know uh, unless unless there's somebody who just, you know, bombed here at the Combine that we, we're not aware of. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, we were overdue to have a bad, rookie, ro like, rookie running back class because 2016, 2017, and 2018 were also solid, especially the last two years. Right. Um, we were just overdue. Move to the quarterbacks. Um Look, you said this too coming in. Like there are, what you there were three guys you said you had your eye on. Obviously, Kyler Murray is one. Dwayne Haskins was the other. Uh, you were interested in Will Greer, mm. um, but Haskins. So we we knew Kyler Murray wasn't going to participate. He showed up. He did interviews. He's just kind of hanging out and I don't know, enjoying El St. Elmo's or something. Um, Haskins though, he was a full participant. He ran. Um, we didn't expect him to run well. He didn't. He ran a five point oh four although reportedly was dealing with leg cramps uh, and will run again at his pro day. Uh, but he threw the ball. He threw the ball pretty well, but he really did go through all of the combine workouts here. And you and I both had the same question. Why? Yeah. If you're dealing with cramps, why run? I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, we knew he's not going to run anything faster than a 4.9. He didn't do it. Mm. Um, I mean, he can move in the pocket, but we know Haskins can't scramble. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what the advisement was, but man. My only thought to that was... Does he just want to compete? I think that's what it was. I really think that that's kind of what it is, especially after Murray sort of bowed out of everything, and, and especially I think now with the talk that Murray is set to go number one overall, maybe the thinking is, you know what, if I go out here and I compete, um, that I will show teams a little something, and may maybe I can start to move the needle a little mm -hmm. bit more. Maybe I can work my way up ahead of Murray. That's that's the only thing I, I can imagine because, you know, you were right when you said it this afternoon. There's really nothing to gain no. from him going out there and participating in this. Yeah, well, I mean, he did throw some gorgeous out routes he did. out here uh, to some of these receivers he's never thrown to before. So he did do that. Um, another name that I think opens some eyes, Tyree Jackson, a when I say a big quarterback, a big quarterback, six foot seven. He's a giraffe, which means he may be on the Broncos' radar because he's because he's, he's tall. Uh, six seven ran a four five nine forty, which is second fastest to uh, Trace McSorley. Big arm guy. Accuracy is a little bit spotty, but I think he did enough today 
to sort of make people at least kind of take a second look at, at him and who he is. I wonder if teams will view him as like a discount Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can move. He's got right. a big arm. He's a project. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't studied Trace, uh, excuse me, uh, Tyree Jackson much right. at all yet, but I, I do wonder based on the measurables and based on, I mean, he's got a howitzer. He's 6'7". He should be able to throw it 80 yards. Right. Um, I do wonder if they'll see him as a discount Josh Allen. Yeah, I do think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to, to, to get a little something. It's funny, you mentioned uh, Josh Allen. I mean, uh, Tyree Jackson played at the University of Buffalo, so they're both kind of in the same city there. Um, Trace McSorley is not a guy that I think was getting a whole lot of looks uh, at quarterback, and obviously he was not because he was asked to work out as a defensive back. Um, players can be asked to try out or to uh, to uh, work out at another position, yep. and uh, Trace McSorley was asked if he wanted to work out at defensive back. He said no, so he is going to go through this as a quarterback and try to be drafted as a quarterback. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. He ran the, the fastest 40 among the quarterback group, so speed is not an issue. Having watched him at Penn State, uh, I think he is very much a project in terms of his accuracy and mm-hmm. what have you. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like at some point a position change may be necessary for him. Um, I've watched a bit, a fair amount of McSorley, too, just between watching all the Penn State guys come out over the last couple of years. And game to game, down to down, he is a very inconsistent thrower. And just watching all these guys launch deep balls out here earlier, I mean, his arm is significantly, significantly weaker than pretty much everyone in this class. Yeah, I mean, he certainly he certainly benefited from some of the talent around him in the past, having Saquon Barkley, having Chris Godwin, having Mike Gesicki. I mean, I, I was suck. there. No, it doesn't suck at all. I was there at the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago when, uh, you know, that was Saquon's kind of breakout game, and, and, you know, he had a huge game. Uh, Chris Godwin made some ridiculous catches in that one. Gesicki made some nice plays. Um but, yeah, it, it, I, you, you kind of get the sense that McSorley was kind of the benefit of having a lot of talent around him. You, With that talent, you would think that they would have at least gone to one national title game. I understand that, like, Clemson and, and Alabama have just been running the show, but <laughs> with that talent, with that supporting <laughs> cast they've had, yeah, you would think. So w- our couple of days here in Indianapolis are done. We'll be back in Los Angeles, as I mentioned, uh, with our normal podcast on Wednesday, and we'll kind of talk a little bit more about some of this stuff and, and other general NFL news. But because um, we want to get you know our, our kind of takeaways from what we saw the last couple of days. The first thing, running backs, obviously that was the big talk yesterday. Um, and like I said, look, I, I'm still willing to kind of take a wait and see, figure out where some of these guys land, and, and that will determine what their fantasy value is. But you made a good point. This could really help Le'Veon Bell having a, a running back class that is not particularly deep this year. Yeah, I, I really – of course, we'll get answers here in like you know, a couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Colts, Jets, all these teams are in, have big money, early picks, and uh, there's no running backs to take. <laughs> so, I mean, sure, you take Le'Veon Bell off the street um, – I, d- I do think just be just because like like we've mentioned there's just no top tier talent in this class I I do think this will help Bell. yeah yeah I, I think you know I still don't know that he gets quite the money that he's he not going to get the money he wants but yeah. I think I think you know people will maybe up the offer a little bit because they look at this class while you and I are fine with him taking the year off and eating food and you know smoking some trees or whatever that's fine <laughs> NFL teams look look down upon that. Just a little bit. They're they're not really fans of that. Um, wide receivers. There will be plenty of them in play this year. Obviously, we talked about how good they were uh, today at yeah. the combine and their workouts. Um, what we could see, what five, six, maybe more get drafted in the first round. Yeah. And I think you know when it comes to fantasy, I think you're going to see a lot of those guys 
uh, and not not just in dynasty drafts, but I think in just regular redraft leagues that kind of get mid to late round consideration it's this a, year. It's a great thing because some of the early ADP we were talking about uh, being degenerates and not doing best <laughs> not doing best ball <laughs> until a- after the draft Can't this year. I'm yet. not. I'm gonna hold off. You got to keep me accountable. I'm the fine. Yeah, right. don't do it. All right. <laughs> we'll keep each other accountable, but but for real, uh, the receiver crop ADP wise that I've looked at from like twenty five to forty in redraft this year is pretty thin. Mm-hmm. Really hoping, really <laughs> hoping some of these rookies come in and kind of smash, and we kind of have some sort of rookies to project with early opportunity because last year was basically, I mean, I guess Calvin Ridley. I mean, that's kind of it, right? Well, and plus we we've got to do something to break this recent run of first round wide receivers that have not done well. Please, no more Devonte Parker. The the uh, so we're we're done, right? We're not we're not projecting any more Devonte Parker breakouts, right? Like that's over. Oh, that's over now. I hope so. Um, but yeah, the last few years the first round wide receivers have not produced up to expectations. So maybe this is the year that we could see that trend kind of die. Uh, and finally, as I mentioned, we could see a couple of tight ends. I mean, with Fant, with Hawkinson, maybe with Irv Smith in the right situation. Uh, we could see a couple of tight ends that you know people will will take chances on late in their drafts who could provide some dividends this year. I mean, if Hayden Hurst can go first round, you know, <laughs> I definitely think Fanton Hawkinson will go first round. Which you know it w- is great because you know if there's one thing we preached over and over this past season, it was how bad the tight end position was. Um, so maybe we add these guys to the mix. We get a Hunter Henry back completely healthy. We get a Delaney Walker back healthy we get no fan in new england we get no, <laughs> we get no fan in new england so like you know if 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 gronk is if he decides to retire um then maybe no fan slides in there uh you know we know we know we've got george kittle we know we still have kelsey and Ertz. uh greg olsen may be back for one more so maybe last year hopefully was just kind of a speed bump and that the tight end position actually has a little bit more depth to it this year That'd i think it, i think it certainly will just because we got so, we've gotten so unlucky with injuries the last couple of years including gronk i mean gronk's been in out in and out of the lineup and now his career is pretty much close to over because right. of it yeah so uh, otherwise it's been a couple of fun days i think here right yeah we've enjoyed it man uh indy is really really cool yeah uh, really really cool downtown i had never been to indianapolis before this week was kind of surprised to see how small the downtown is <laughs> yeah um you can kind of walk all four it's or very five walkable. main streets, yeah. uh, which is real. Uh, that's huge for me. And the food has been fantastic. Yeah. So the uh, the the shrimp cocktail at uh, well St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail. It is uh, it's legit. I've heard about it for years, and uh, yeah, I It'll, see. It punches you in the mouth, and then it's nice and mild afterwards. It if comes down. If you have clogged sinuses, yes. I recommend it because it will open you up in a hurry. So. Uh, so that's it for us. We will uh, be back on a plane and uh, back to Los Angeles. And we'll be back with you on Wednesday, as always, uh, back with Michael Fabiano. He'll come and uh, we'll talk some general football and kind of, you know, keep this thing rolling as free agency uh, is about to hit in just a little bit. In fact, if you are still, though, of course, uh, interested in the combine, there are defensive players who will be working out over the next couple of days. So you can keep watching NFL Network's uh, continuing coverage on NFL Network and NFL.com 9 a.m. Eastern on Sunday and Monday as this thing wraps up. So speaking of wrapping up, he's Graham. I'm Marcus. This has been the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. We'll see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired. 
But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.